Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, today I want to speak to you about a very important topic because I've noticed that people are struggling in this area. And I was reading an interesting article by a man called Clay Routledge, who's a professor of psychology at the North Dakota State University. And uh, he wrote an article in the New York Times where he said the Centers for Disease Prevention and Control brought out the statistics for suicides. And they said from 1999 to now, suicide has increased in the States by 25%. And people responded to the article and they said, yes, it's a crisis of mental health. In other words, mental health's not looking after people. And he said, no, across all ages and across all genders, it's not a case of mental health. In fact, he said this. He said, as a behavioral scientist who studies basic psychological needs, including the need for meaning, I'm convinced that our nation's suicide crisis is in part a crisis of meaninglessness. And then he says, fully addressing this will require an understanding of recent changes in American society that are causing this crisis of meaninglessness. And he says there's a greater sense of detachment and a weaker sense of belonging that are increasing these existential despair in the lives of people. I really believe that that is true. In fact, another social commentator in America who I hugely respect, Thomas Sowell, a brilliant educator, and uh, he was being interviewed, and he said this. He said that we have taken all the meaning out of people's lives. People have lost the meaning. In other words, you know, there's no God anymore. There's no truth. Life is accidental, and uh, it's random. It's meaningless. There's no reason for living. And so people feel that they're unhappy. That's why they're complaining all the time. They're unhappy with their jobs, unhappy with their lives, unhappy with the country, unhappy with relationships. And this has taken the meaning completely out of people's lives. And they've got, it's because of the worldview they've got that this meaninglessness has come along. In fact, Dr. Stephen Jay Gould wrote in Scientific America on the origins of human life, and this is what he says about where we come from. It's not surprising people are feeling that sense of meaninglessness. He says, humans arose rather as a fortuitous and contingent outcome of thousands of linked events, any of which could have occurred differently and sent history on an alternative pathway that could have led to consciousness. In other words, we never know where we came from. It was all random and gee, we're lucky that we are. No wonder people are feeling this sense of meaningless and the suicide rate is climbing, especially amongst young people across the world because you know, why am I here? Where did I come from? What's the point of life? So there's a deep seated sense of meaningless in people's lives. They no, no longer believe in long-term relationships. What's the point? Why stick in a marriage? Why get married in the first place? Just enjoy yourself and move on. And then, and then the big issue is this, pain and suffering. If life has no meaning, what's the point of pain and suffering? Now, during COVID, people are going through pain, suffering, loss, retrenchments, loss of income, fear of the future. And guess what? Meaninglessness is on the increase. Viktor Frankl, who found himself in a concentration camp and managed to survive, wrote a fantastic book on meaning. And he said this, he said, if there's meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. 
I want to speak to you today, and I've entitled the message, Finding Meaning in a Meaningless World. Because if there's no meaning in suffering, if there's no meaning in life, then what's the point of life? And you know, with lockdown, with us being restricted, it's so important that we discover the true meaning for our lives. I read a good book by Jim Peterson called Living Proof. The subtitle is Sharing the Gospel Naturally. And he did a study among teenagers in Sweden, and they were asked to respond to the statement, I think the following could give my life more meaning. And he asked them, what do you think? And this is the response. Bear in mind, this is a first world country. An advanced country said this. They've got all the wealth. They've got all the systems in place. Live at a high standard, highly educated. And he said of those surveyed, 87% thought meaning could be found in a good job. Well, that's at risk right now. Isn't that true? 85% thought it could be found in a marriage partner. Well, that's disintegrating across the world. And then 84% thought it could be found in sports and recreation. Even that was shut down for a while. He says only 15% thought that reading the Bible and prayer could help. And 15% thought alcohol could help. He said about 80% considered the question of meaning of life important. Yet 80% considered it unimportant whether Jesus is the son of God or not. And then he said this, a full 75% concluded that the question of God's existence is unimportant. You want to know why we feel like we feel, why there's a sense of meaninglessness. People just don't know what life is about. They have lost their bearings. They've lost their bearings in marriage and relationships and work. And we're living in a world where meaning is incredibly important to our joy and our well-being. Will Durant is an American writer and historian. And he once asked his friend, H.L. Mencken, uh, to give him some feedback. H.L. Mencken is a journalist. And he said to him, give me some feedback. Uh, what's your opinion on th the meaning of life? And, uh, you know, a brilliant journalist and critic and intellectual. And he thought he'd come back with something. And H.L. Mencken wrote back and said this, because this is where people are at. Even intellectuals are in this place. H.L. Mencken says, what the meaning of human life may be, I don't know. I incline to suspect that it has none. All I know is that, to me at least, it is very amusing what it lost. In other words, life is hilarious. He says, even its troubles indeed can be amusing. The noblest man, I think, is the one who fights God and triumphs over him. Can you believe that? I have a little of this to do. When I die, I shall be content to vanish into nothingness. It's completely hopeless. No wonder people feel that life is meaningless because intelligent critics and journalists are saying this about our lives. Now, fortunately, Simon Critchley is an English philosopher, and he responded by saying this. He said, just to say, well, God is dead in one breath is to say in another that nothing means anything. You see, that's the conclusion. If you believe this, then this is the result. And then he says, this is the moment of nihilism. Nihilism is the affirmation of meaninglessness. In other words, you say we just here for no reason. We come from nothing. There is no God. And people end up so, so discouraged. You see, it's so important for us right now during COVID 
to think about the meaning of life because our jobs have been threatened. Some jobs have been retrenched. People's income has, has changed. It's been limited. There's concern about the future. Your cars, your house, your, your clothing, everything that we valued, eating out, all these things are suddenly threatened. And so your meaning can't come from those things. You have to have real meaning in a world that is constantly telling us there is no meaning. So besides the philosophers, the circumstances can kind of make you feel through suffering that there's no meaning. Now, fortunately, in the Bible, we have a man called Solomon, one of the wisest kings who ever lived. And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. This was not the ramblings of a poor man, a man who was depressed and just wanted to put everything on paper and get his feelings out there. This was a wise man who looked at life the, the meaninglessness of human deeds, the limitations of wisdom and man's righteousness, and the folly of trying to build a life without God. And I want to read what he says here because he, he came to some conclusions from his observations, but then he also gives us some advice. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 1, he says this, The words of the teacher, a son of David, king in Jerusalem. Someone at the top of his game. And he says, meaningless Meaningless, says the teacher, utter meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now, what does meaningless mean? Because in the King James, it says vanity. It's the word hebel in the Hebrew. And what it really means is unsatisfying, valueless, vanity is valueless, empty. And in fact, let me give you a definition here. It literally means this, and I think a lot of people are feeling this right now. Unsatisfying, endless repetition of old things, that nobody will remember, nothing you do will last, and at the end, you die. Wow, how negative, how discouraging. But that's the conclusion when you look for meaning in the wrong things. That's what he's saying. He's not saying life is meaningless and that's it. Just be negative or drink yourself to death. No, he's saying these are my observations that if you look for meaning in the wrong places, this is the conclusion you're going to come to. And he describes what he did. And I believe this is where people try and look for meaning. And I want to read this passage from Ecclesiastes because this is all the things he did that people are doing today to try and find meaning. And the eight areas here that come up that we'll look at just very briefly. Ecclesiastes chapter two and reading from verse one. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. Then he says, I undertook great projects, built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And notice this, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I had more followers on Instagram and Twitter than anyone else. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Anything I wanted, I got and he says, I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. In other words, I enjoyed my work. And this was the reward for all my toil. In other words, at the end of it, yet 
when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. In other words, I tried it all, I did it all, I lived it all, I was at the top of my game, but at the end of it all, there was no spiritual fulfillment, there was only meaninglessness, because those things can't give your life meaning. That's why at a time like this, when all these things are threatened, we can still be anchored and find our joy in the Lord, because we live a life of meaning, not through things, but because of our relationship with Jesus. Now, the eight areas here that he tried, that people are still trying today to try and find meaning from, and we've got to be careful we don't do the same. Number one was pleasure. You see, he denied himself nothing. And he says, you refused my heart, no pleasure. And pleasure will leave you empty. And at the moment, our pleasures are restricted. We can't even go and sit in a restaurant with comfort. There's a fear of us catching the virus. We can't sit near other people. So it's not the same as it used to be. But without pleasure, we can still find meaning. The late Dr. Ravi Zacharias said this in his book, Can Man Live Without God? He says, I'm absolutely convinced that meaninglessness does not come from being wary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being wary of pleasure. Isn't that interesting? And this is why we find ourselves emptied of meaning with our pantries still full. You can have a lot of food and you can think that that can satisfy you, but pleasure of eating Pleasure of enjoyment is not where we get our meaning. The second thing that Solomon says was I had fun. I enjoyed myself, laughter. I had parties. I had a good time. Yet, at the end of all that, I felt a sense of meaningless. The third thing he says, I cheered myself with wine. Well, what people are doing today, substances, not just wine. People are using all sorts of substances to try and cheer themselves, to try and lose themselves because they feel there's a sense of they don't have meaning. Then Solomon says achievements and career. I plunged myself into my labor. I built houses and projects and I built reservoirs and I planted trees. I did all this and I enjoyed it, but it didn't give me meaning. And you know, today they're saying that more and more, there's an increase of people suffering from burnout because they're trying to find their meaning from their careers and from their work. The man who first coined the term burnout uh, is Dr. Herbert Freudinger, and he wrote a book called The High Cost of Achievement way back in 1980. And he says that when you get burnout, is, he says it's like a, a bit like a house. That's why he uses the term. Your, your, the house looks the same on the outside, but the inside has been burnt out. And he says people are like that. They strive in their careers to try and find meaning, but in the end, they're just a hollow shell. Everything inside is burnt out, and there's no real Meaning, number five, Solomon says he did business. And today we do business and business is threatened. He says, I bought and I sold and, uh, and he traded. But that left him with a sense of meaninglessness. Number six, the sixth thing he did was he acquired possessions. He says, I owned more than anyone else. Man, he had so much. And uh, he had investments, he had silver and he had gold. He had valuable things. He had collections of treasures. And today you can have collections of treasures. You can have antique cars in garages. You can have investments. But you're shut away in your home. You need much more because you can't even enjoy the pleasure of those things. Meaning doesn't come from that. It really comes from God. And uh, I believe that we're being challenged at the moment to have a look at our values and to have a look at what really gives meaning in life because you can be incredibly unhappy during this difficult time in our world. 
Viktor Frankl said this about the things we own because he found himself in Auschwitz in a concentration camp and managed to discover meaning in the midst of that suffering. And he says, as to the causation of the feeling of meaninglessness, one may say, albeit in an oversimplifying way, that people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. The seventh thing that Solomon did that he indulged himself in and thought he would find happiness and meaning in it was sex. He had a harem, it says, the delight of a man's heart. Well, he had a thousand women, but you know what Solomon didn't have? He had sex without love. And our world is filled with that today. People going from partner to partner looking for that emptiness to be fulfilled in them. But in fact, all they're getting is something physical, not something spiritual. Leo Biscaglia from the United States, a great motivational speaker, spoke a lot on love. He said this, he said, a life without love, no matter how many other things we have, is an empty, meaningless one. And then lastly, Solomon says this, that he had fame and status. He said, I became greater by far. I mean, that's quite a statement. Greater by far than anyone else. But that didn't give me meaning. I was respected. People traveled to see me. The Queen of Sheba made a journey to me. People revered me. Kings sent me labor and, and, and goods and materials but I couldn't find a meaning from it. Those are not the places where you find your meaning. And today, a lot of people, their lives don't have meaning and they're blaming the world and they, and they, well, if there's a God, but actually, I love what Donald Miller said. He's a CEO of a, of a corporation. He said this, he said, maybe life isn't meaningless. Just your life is meaningless. You see, you can't blame the world when there's a lack of meaning. You've got to ask yourself, hey, what am I missing here? And where am I looking for my meaning? Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Now Solomon, when he made all these declarations, finally gives us some solutions. And he points to where meaning comes from. And he tries to show us that meaning comes from God. Like Bertrand Russell said many years ago, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. You see, meaning can only come from God because God created us from eternity and he created us for eternity. That's why today, if you don't believe in God, there's no, there's, there's no purpose for living because you're just a transient, empty, meaningless, uh, physical being. But when you know God, well, then everything changes because you came from him and you're going to him. Well, then your life and your suffering on earth has some kind of meaning. Well, Solomon here gives us some advice. Five quick things from this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter three. And he says here, he, being God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So there's a sense that he's put his, his eternity in us, but we can't figure everything out. A lot of things don't make sense. He says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. This is his conclusion of the having everything. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. So we must eat, we must drink, we must work, all the things he tried to find meaning in. We must do them, but not try and find meaning from them. And he says, this is the gift of God. I know that everything that God does will endure forever, including us. And he says, nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. And if we skip to chapter 12 and verse five, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Sure, 
You might consider that very negative, but actually he's pointing to something very important where we can find our meaning. And the first thing Solomon is telling us here, if we're trying to find meaning in a meaningless world, is number one, we must keep our eyes on eternity. You see, God's put eternity in our hearts because that's where we've come from and that's where we're going to. And if you know you've come from eternity where everything goes on and on and God created you for this transient time and then you're going back to eternity, somehow your life takes on meaning because now you know you're in transition. This earth and its suffering is not forever. It's not pointless. There's a long-term goal. And so Solomon gives us that advice. Secondly, he says, be happy. Be happy. That sounds like a motivational speaker. Now he's saying it's a decision Despite what you have, despite what you own, despite your lot in life, despite how well things go, every day make, up, make your mind up that you're going to be happy because you've been given this gift of life. You're only here temporarily. It may be going well, it may be going badly, but you've got something to look forward to. So be happy and make the most of it. And he says you need to enjoy your life and, uh, and, and God is still in control. So be happy about whatever is happening. You know, I love Job chapter 12 because Job reminds us here. He says, it is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. You see, life is not meaningless. This. It's, it's, it's got meaning because God is still directing. But why are we suffering? Why are people dying? Why is there calamity? Well, keep your eye on eternity and every day I make a decision to be happy and leave things in God's hands because he's the one who knows all things. Third thing he says is serve others. In fact, Solomon puts it like this. He says, do good. You know, one of the best ways that you can find meaning in your life is when you help other people. And you know, during COVID, I've seen people help other people. They fo their focus is not on themselves. Their focus is on others, helping others with food, serving others, giving to others. Even in Rivers Church, people have been constantly giving money for food parcels. And, and there's that sense of meaning that comes when you live beyond yourself. So you focus on eternity. You make a decision to be happy because you know God's got everything under control. He created you. He's got his eye on you. And now you do good and you serve others. You know, you can be at the top of your game in life and still not find meaning. But you can be nobody and serve some people and you'll be amazed the satisfaction that comes from that. I remember years ago, the great tennis player, Andre Agassi, in the late 1990s and two, early 2000s, he was an incredible tennis player, ranked number one, worth $175 million today. I mean, he's really, really done well. He wrote a book about his life. And he tells in the book that while he was playing tennis, it was incredibly difficult and he never enjoyed it. In fact, he, he sometimes even hated it. But since he's retired, he started a foundation. And this foundation, the Andre Agassi College Prep Academy, he says this he finds far more fulfilling than all the days as a tennis star. You see, you can find more meaning in serving others instead of focusing on yourself and trying to make yourself happy. Number four, the fourth thing Solomon says here is enjoy life. Enjoy life. Eat and drink and enjoy your work. Each day is a gift from God. So, you know, we need food. We need to enjoy life. We need to have some pleasures, but we don't look for meaning in it. And he says here, just live your life. Thank God for, for, for the wonderful things in your life. They don't add meaning. They add comfort but don't look for meaning in them. 
And when you have that approach, you have eternity in your heart, you make a decision to be happy, you, you, you keep your eyes on eternity, you serve others, and you enjoy life. And lastly, he says, number five, find your meaning in God. In fact, he uses the phrase, fear God. Or people get that wrong, fear God, oh, fear God. No, no, no. He's saying reverence, respect, honor, acknowledge, and esteem God as your source, as your foundation, and as your future. Keep him in focus. And as you do that, amazing meaning will start to flow into your life. Rick Warren's written a wonderful book called The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, it sold 35 million copies. And I want to just say, people have criticized the book and said it's new age and all sorts of negative things about it. But it is a fantastic, sound, biblical book that has helped millions of people in their lives. And uh, in the book, he tells the story of Dr. Hugh Moorhead, a professor at Northeastern Illinois University. And he says what Dr. Hugh Moorhead did was this. He wrote to some 250 of the best known writers, philosophers, scientists, and intellectuals in the world, and he asked him this question, what is the meaning of life? And then he waited, and he says he got uh, some responses, and he published them in a book, and some offered their best guesses and said, well, you know, this is what I guess, and others admitted that they'd made up a purpose for life because he'd asked. Others said that they were honest enough to say that they were clueless. They had no idea what the meaning of life was, and uh, they wrote back and said this, if you discover the meaning of life, won't you let us know? So Dr. Umoyed wrote back, and he said this to them. He simply said this, the meaning of life is this, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. In other words, when you get to know him, and you keep him in the center, and then you keep your eyes on eternity, and you decide to be happy, and you enjoy your life, and you serve others, that's where real meaning comes, not from possessions or position, or from fame or from status, or from wealth or the collection of investments and possessions. No, you get God in the center, and everything begins to make sense. Dr. Rabbi Zacharias said here in his book, The Grand Weaver, he said, faith is a thing of the mind. If you do not believe that God is in control and has formed you for a purpose, then you will flounder on the high seas of purposelessness, drowning in the currents and drifting further into nothingness. So it's extremely important that we keep God in the center and we keep our eyes on him. You know, as I begin to move to a close today, Jesus had an encounter with a woman at the well. Jacob's well in John chapter 4 and he sat down and had a chat with her she was there collecting water and he tired from the journey sat down began to chat to her discovered she was a Samaritan and you know he he began to talk to her and it was clear that her life was empty and it was meaningless and uh, he as he began to talk to her, he asked her where's your husband and she said I don't have a husband and he and he said you're right you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and the man you're with right now isn't your husband. And so, you know, maybe she was once beautiful. Now she wasn't anymore. And men had run after and she thought that was where satisfaction and meaning could be found. So she went from one man to another to another. And now she's sitting at this well, empty. He talks to her and he discovers, you know, she's a Samaritan. They believe you should worship here. And she says to Jesus, you know, we worship here, but you believe we should worship in Jerusalem. So she, she's got no meaning. She's gone from man to man. She's looking for religion. And then Jesus points her to meaning. He says, you know what, if you get the water that I give you, then there will be like a well in you welling up 
to eternal life. And uh, he offers her living water. And just quickly, as I, as I move to a close here, three things that this story, this encounter, show us about, about how we can find meaning. Number one, as he sat down with this woman and he took time with her, I want you to realize your life matters to God. Jesus took time for this woman to discover real meaning in her life. And Jesus comes to us and values us and wants to bring meaning to us. He wants us to know that God created us, Psalm 139. We've been created by God. He formed our inward parts. He saw us before we were born, and he has a plan for our lives, and we have value. And so we matter to God, and if we matter to God, then it must mean that life has meaning. Second thing that we discover here is your life needs meaning that only Christ can give. And so he was, what Jesus was saying to this woman is this. You won't find meaning with men. You won't find meaning in religion but you'll find meaning through me. When I come into your life, there will be a well that comes from inside you and it will bubble up and it will bring living water to you. In fact, I want to quote that verse, John chapter four and verse 13. And he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. In other words, natural things. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, meaning can't be found by natural and material things. Meaning comes when you've got God, not only in the center of your life, but inside your life. See, Solomon in the Old Testament pointed to, to it, but Jesus is the fulfillment of it, that God values us. Our lives matter. He'll, Jesus will meet our needs. And the third thing is meaning in life flows from within through Christ. You know, once you've got Jesus in the center of your life and it starts to bubble up, doesn't matter what you're going through. doesn't matter what you've got. doesn't matter who you know. doesn't matter what you're facing. If you've got Jesus Christ, the person of the Godhead living in you, you've got meaning flowing through your life. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 